Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, Titus chapter 2. That's just going to be kind of a uh, start-off place for us this morning. Um, it's weird. I, it's weird sitting down there while Eric's doing the announcements. You see, I've kind of gotten in the habit of doing the announcements. And there's a couple more. I, I just want to let you know on this the, the, the golf tournament. There are definitely sign-up sheets. We need. It's one of the biggest fundraisers we do every year for our young people. And what's going to happen for, with our young people, um, in June, we take a trip to the Seminole Reservation where our young people teach vacation Bible school to the tribe, working out of New Testament Baptist Church there. We've been doing that since 1999. We've had a part in that. And um, it's an amazing time. It, it really, one, we help minister on the reservation. We have a great reputation there. It also helps get our kids used to ministering and giving the gospel and teaching others. It's a week that's not about them. Later on in, in June, we're going to go to camp. This year we're going to uh, uh, the campgrounds in Lake Yale. It's in, near Leesburg. We're going with Global Youth Ministry. And this will be a week of intensive Bible study. That whole week they're going to be studying the book of Daniel. And everything they do from the games... Uh, to family time at night has something to do with the book of Daniel. The games will somehow apply, and I'm not sure how they do that. They're just really creative. And later on, we have a mission trip to the Bahamas where we're going to be going over and ministering uh, there. And that, you know, you might think, well, that will be really nice. Well, we're going to be working in public schools, and we're not going to be hitting the beaches and, and stuff, except for maybe one day to have a little bit of fun. But I wanted to just kind of get, keep in that habit of... of uh, doing a little bit of announcements, I guess this transition thing is going to be a little fun. And habits are, are, are hard to break, you know? Um, how many of you are, are, would you say you're a creature of habit? You know, I get up in the morning, I stumble to the bathroom, I take a shower, I come out, and I got so, so many things on this side that I, I do, and then I got a couple things on this side of the sink that I do, and if I get out of rhythm, everything's messed up. It's just these habits. We, we are creatures of habits. And this morning, I want to talk to you about maybe some habits that will help you. Habits that will help us apply grace to our lives and, and apply change to our lives. Because it took me so long to, I kept trying hard. Have you been on this, this road of trying hard to fix something in your life? Not happy about certain parts of your life. And, and so you just try really hard and you fail. So you try really hard again and you fail. And I realize that we need something to help us in the spiritual growth and, 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 and as we walk with God and become more like Him, we need God's grace and we can develop God's grace through some spiritual habits. Uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12 says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Wow. Soberly, serious-minded, godly, righteously. I don't know about you, but I have all these really bad habits that keep me from doing that. And one of the things we have to do, or one of the things we need to learn if we're going to, to, to grow spiritually, and if we're going to, to live righteously and soberly and, and godly in this present world is we've got to develop spiritually healthy habits. So this morning I'm going to talk about some habits, some things that we need to try to develop. And if we, just, just five of them. 
Back to science says five habits of spiritual growth. Five habits, if we can establish in our lives, it will help us to grow and to start fulfilling that um, living soberly, living righteously, and godly in this present world. So, first things first. Let's go with the first point, the first thing we need to do. Now, I'm looking at your thing. Uh, your outline is probably really good right now. Wake up. Wake up. That is the first point, right? Yeah. Wake up. Wake up, sleepyhead. Get up. Here's the, here's the priority. It's the priority of principle of putting first things first or, or priorities. Wake up. Get up out of bed. Maybe a little bit earlier. Get into your Bible every morning. Let me give you some verses. Psalm 63.1 Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Proverbs 8.17 I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Isaiah 26.9 With my soul have I desired thee. In the night, yea, and with my spirit within me, I will seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 55.17 Evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I think it's very important that we start the day right. What they used to say, start the day right with a good breakfast. Maybe we need to feast on God's word a little bit. Now, I know for some of y'all, that's hard. I tell you what, it's hard for me. I get up, after I do my little ritual with the shower and all the stuff on this side and all the stuff on this side and I put on clothes, I stumble into our, I don't know what, I don't know what it would be called. Kinsey is not in here right now to tell me what it's called. But it, it's a, a room where we got a couple of tables and a, and a, or a small table and a couple of chairs and I sit down with a cup of coffee and I drink a lot of that and then I open my Bible. But here's the thing, I really want to go ahead, because I know after I open my Bible, I'm going to turn on the TV and watch the news and the weather and probably get depressed for the rest of the day. It's priorities. What is the first thing? The first thing first. We need to start our mornings with prayer, with meditation on God's Word. If you really want life change, if you want your life to change, if you want to be affected, then we have to start with something good. We have to set a priority of God's Word in our life. Some say get up 20 minutes earlier. Or maybe, maybe you're better off than this. Don't turn the news on. I'm getting more and more where I don't do that. Um, if it's light enough outside when I wake up, I, go, I now am doing everything outside. We have a really nice back porch and the birds are flying around and and it's a whole lot better than watching the news. It gets me all depressed. 
Maybe you can't get up 20 minutes earlier, but maybe you can turn the news off. By the way, we're in that time of year where the weather's the same every day. Okay? And we're getting ready for it to be the same every day. You know, hot and muggy in the morning, rain in the afternoon. That's coming in a month or so, Lord willing. We got this little reprieve this morning. But we know all these things, so let's start with God's Word. Let's start with our first priority. Let's allow the Spirit of God to, to work in our hearts, to calm us, to set us up. Sometimes we, we get in such a rush. We're a blur as we go out. I remember when Gretchen was in high school. She would get up 15 minutes before she had to be at school. I think she slept in her clothes. She'd get up. She would blur out. I mean, it was a mess. But some of us live that way. When we're getting up, we're always in a rush. We're hurry, hurry, hurry. And our whole day is follows through with that pattern. Wake up. Set your priorities. First things first. God's words first in the morning. Put that on. Now, again, let me, let me back up just a little bit. I don't want this to sound like some super strict rule. Uh, when my kids were younger, I let them do their devotions anytime they wanted to. I just wanted them to do their devotions. And most of them did it late at night. I think that's a teenager thing. And a college student thing. You do it because your mornings are all messed up, so you go late at night. So it, let me tell you, have your time with God, but if you can establish that first thing in the morning, I'm going to tell you, your priorities will start changing throughout the day. You'll start having that, that anointing of God early. Second thing, clean up. Clean up. Take out the trash, if you will. Okay, this is the principle of transformation. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's a problem we tend to have today. Our, we don't probably realize that our mind is the biggest battlefield. Satan attacks our minds constantly. We are being bombarded. Our minds are being bombarded by the world constantly. We watch television, and I'm not against watching television, but understand that your senses are being bombarded with things. And, and how do, why do you want to go to McDonald's all the time? I'm going to McDonald's because they have dollar unsweet tea. The big ones. How did I find that out? Television told me that. Maybe radio. But we are constantly getting bombarded with things, and our minds keep getting, having things shoved into it, shoved into it like, got to go buy this, got to go get this, got to have to have this. My life's not of any significance unless I do this. Our minds are just being creamed. And if we don't allow God's word to start transforming our minds, we are destined to live in a mess. By the way, if you're already living in a mess, you're going to pretty much stay in that mess. There has to be some transformation. This is the thing that the Holy Spirit does. This is that thing when we cooperate with God and we start saying yes to his word. That's why it's so important. 
got that priority be in his word as we read his word we start seeing things and we start saying yes to that we start saying no to that trash that's coming in from the world and God transforms us I don't know about you but when I first got saved something drastically happened on the inside but not a lot changed on the outside right away but as I got into God's word as God dealt with me something started happening something the, the, the things that God had changed on the inside started manifesting on the outside. There was a transformation. There was a transformation in the way I thought. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How we think, what we think on, colors our life and can either help us spiritually or hinder us spiritually. Philippians 4.8, I love this verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those of you who old-time computer, garbage in, garbage out, that's true in our spiritual lives. The more you saturate yourself with, with the junk of this world, the more your mind gets thinking in that way, the more difficult your spiritual walk's going to be. Once it's been said that every sermon breaks down to this, read your Bible and pray. But yes, that's true. As you read your Bible and as you pray, you're getting rid of some trashy things and putting in something good so God can transform you. Again, this is not a, uh, this isn't really hard things. These are just some great habits. Oh, David writes in Psalm 101, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord. Will I sing? I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. Mine eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. How much junk's in your mind? What are those terrible things that just come flashing through your brain? You know when it comes to worse when you're trying to pray? When you're trying to do something for the Lord and this, these... I, was, I was, went to Jacksonville um, Thursday and then I came back yesterday morning and, and during the, the, the drive time, you'd be praying and you'd be talking to God and all of a sudden these just horrible thoughts come to mind. Where does that stuff coming from? was coming from Satan, but it also comes because there were times I allowed that terrible stuff into my mind. So we battle that. So take the garbage out. Clean up. 
sometimes we can't figure out why we have no victory over our sin. Yet, we still pollute our minds. So clean up. Wake up. Set your priorities. Clean up. Take out the trash. Transform. And, oh, David, you'll like this one. Man up. The principle of personal responsibility. Or, how did the guy say it this way? Do your own dishes. <laughs> oh, do your personal responsibility. Luke 16.10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Romans 14.12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We don't like personal responsibility. Adam didn't like personal responsibility. Remember back in the garden? God comes to Adam and says, did you eat the tree? No, no, she did it. <laughs> she, it was her fault. God did it, her fault. What did Eve do? Oh, no, no, it, well, it was Satan. He tricked me. How often do your kids? No, no, no. It would, my kids, it went down the line. Well, actually, it went up the line. You ask Zach, what happened? What's going on? Laurel did it. Ask Laurel. No, no, Gretchen did it. And it, it always was Gretchen. It was. That poor kid. The little ones really knew how to work those kids over after a while. He, uh, what, a, what a guy. <clears throat> but listen, we don't like personal responsibility. You talk to anybody today, no, I, 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 I don't want to do that. No, no, not my fault. Listen, one of the reasons we do these mission trips that we're going to do is we're going to give our young people responsibility. They're going to have responsibility to, some of them will have a responsibility to teach a lesson. Some are going to have a responsibility of taking a group of kids from one station at the VBS to another station. They're going to have personal responsibility. They're going to have a personal responsibility time as we, we do uh, uh, discipleship every day and we go through um, a book and we learn and they teach. We want to teach them personal responsibility. Believe me, for some reason that's lacking today. For some reason that hasn't been passed down from generation to generation the way it should be. I don't know the answer. I don't know why. We worked hard on that for our kids. But they, and I know others, if you worked hard for your kids, I don't know what, if it's the world or whatever it is, but man, nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to clean up their own mess. Nobody wants to say, yeah, I did that. Last week, um, we got to be a blessing to two schools. Port Charlotte Middle, we were there on Monday and, and fed the teachers, and it was really a good day, and they were all happy, and, and things were going well. They were just, man, they were so thankful that, that somebody would care enough about them to give them a hamburger or a hot dog. Tuesday, we went to Neil Armstrong, and once again, they were very thankful, but there were a few sad faces that came through. And you know what those sad faces were? These were three teachers that their contracts were not renewed. And they weren't renewed because there's budget cuts in Charlotte County and, and all. And <clears throat> so we got to pray with them. But I don't know, how many of you have been teachers? You know, teachers have some of the hardest, most difficult jobs there is, especially today. Because you know what happens? As a teacher tries to teach a child, as they, they, they try to teach that child personal responsibility, 
and all, you got a parent coming in undermining that. It's the teacher's fault that my kid's not smart. It's the teacher's fault my kid's not doing the, the uh, homework. Laurel Ann taught for six and a half years up in Tennessee at a, at a Christian school, and the last year she had some really horrible parents who, man, she doesn't want to teach anymore. It was that bad. Um, but she would, uh, the parents would come in and, and they'd be yelling at her because her kids, somehow they'd sneak past where they were supposed to be, the, the filters that got to get to her, and they would get to her, they would catch her in a car line or something and, and just start yelling at her because their kids weren't doing well in class. You give them too much homework. I gave them 45 minutes in class to do the homework. We worked with this. We, it didn't matter whatever the kid didn't do. It was the teacher's fault. Still happens, doesn't it? It's the teacher's fault that I didn't learn. No, I was going to say it. It was the teacher's fault I didn't learn Greek. <laughs> he made me keep taking the class over until I got it. So it's, you know, I just don't think I have it anymore. <laughs> but no, it's not. See, we have to do some personal responsibility. See, if we get in a habit of taking responsibility, if we get in a habit of, of, of setting our priorities right, our first things first, if we get in the habit of, of, of putting the good stuff in our head, allowing the transformation to happen, and if we take responsibility for our own actions, you'll start seeing the grace of God working in your life and changing your life. See, it's not about keeping a bunch of rules, it's allowing that transformation to happen. Personal responsibility. Fourth thing this morning. Fourth habit. Write it down. Just write it down. That's the principle of uh, clarity. Clarity. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, least by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Proverbs 16.3, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 25.28, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Write it down. Every year, <laughs> we used to make our kids, at the beginning of the year, write down goals. And the next year, we'd take out those goals. And we hadn't hit any of them. But we did at least write them down. But did you know something? If you don't write goals down, you'll never start with them. It'll be in your head. Yeah, I want to do this. I think I will, I'll try this. I want to, I have all these desires to do this. But if you don't write it down, it doesn't become real. It, it's why we still have an old-fashioned invitation here. Give you an opportunity to come and, 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 and kneel at the altar. I know good and well you can deal with God right where you're at. You can, you can, you can make things right. You can allow him, the Holy Spirit will work in your heart. But you know something? When you take that step out and you walk down here, just something that cements it 
man, I'm coming. Not only am I coming before the Lord, but I'm coming to Him. This gives that a little bit more. And that's what you need to write it down. If you're going to have goals, and we all must have goals, write it down. Some people like three-by-five cards. I used to use three-by-five cards to try to memorize verses. I'd write the verses on there, and I'd sit over and over and over and have those three-by-five because they'd fit in your pocket. I don't wear shirts with pockets that much anymore, so that's not going to work for me. Maybe you can put it in your phone of the technology age. But write it down. Or maybe you write a big to-do list. Have you found out that you don't get anything accomplished unless you have a to-do list? I don't. I forget what I'm supposed to do if I don't have a to-do list. I get sidetracked. One of my to-do lists this week was to go through pastor's office and find his joke book. I couldn't find it. I'm asking him to leave that for me when he leaves. So, Because I've got to, I, I don't know where he comes up with those things, and I've got to learn how to do that. Well, how would you? Yeah. Write some goals. Write a to-do list. Second thing is, is calendar. Plan. Wow. If you don't plan, it's not going to happen. Have you ever thought about that? If you don't plan to do something, I got a call this week. Um, uh, I, I used to teach at Aldermont Christian School up in, in Aldermont Springs, which is close to Lake Mary. I taught Bible uh, for a year. And uh, I had a, a ninth grade class and an 11th grade class. Well, the year after we got here, the 11th grade class asked me to come back and speak at their yearly banquet and at their graduation. Um, I actually put it on my calendar, but had it in my head the wrong date for their banquet, and I didn't show up. I got a call. Are you coming? Are you lost? Are uh, traffic get you? Well, that's next week, isn't it? No. <laughs> I was wrong. I got a call this last week for the ninth grade class. I didn't think they liked me, but they, they, uh, they've asked me to come back. And I've got it on my calendar. And I've got it written five or six places. The next Saturday evening, I've got to be in Orlando at this Brazilian restaurant and, and, get, and, and talk to these kids. Maybe I should tell them some of these things. <laughs> Write it down. Get a calendar. But if you don't plan to do it, it's not going to happen. Anna, you're here. <laughs> I want to get with your calendar and fill it up for you. Uh, her husband, Tom, has a huge calendar. Every time I ask him to do something, he pulls it up on his phone. I just sometimes think she forgets to go back and look at it. <laughs> I got a big handwritten one, a big thing on my desk. I, I work well with that. In fact, I've saved them from all the years since I ever first got them. So I can go back and see what I did or what I forgot to do. See, we've got a plan. Write it down. Oh, we... we, we we need to be better about communicating some of the things that happen around here. And we're going to work real hard to try to do that so that you can plan and you can put it down on your calendar because some of y'all miss some of the greatest activities because you don't remember and you don't have it on a calendar. Plan. And then the last thing in this, uh, uh, this sign-up, this writing it down, is probably the one I have the most difficulty with. This journaling. Writing down something that goes on. Some of you might say keeping a diary. It's this journaling thing. I don't think my life's that interesting. And two things happen. If I start writing it down, half the time I can't read what I write. I 
So have you all ever seen pastor's handwriting? Okay, mine's not quite as bad as his, but I get in a hurry, and it, it's a mess. There's only a couple people that can read it, and Cynthia's one. Charlotte, if, you ever, if there's ever a mistake in the bulletin, it's because Charlotte couldn't read pastor's handwriting. Okay. But I have that issue, so I'm trying to journal. I started this morning. I, went, I was at the graduation conference at Trinity. I'm on a board there advising the college on how to get more students and to do better and, and all these things. And they gave us a nice journal. It looks really cool. And I thought, yeah, I'll try again. But you know, I have gone back through the, those brief times that I've tried to journal and done this and looked back and it's been such a help for me to see how God has given victory over things and how, how at, at times where, where I didn't think we were going to make it, that God pulled us through. And, and you know, when we have a, a journal or a record of those things, how God is working in our life, it can always remind us in that next downtime that he is working in our life. Write it down. What I found is when we write the things down, the blessings down, we start becoming thankful for who he is, for what he's doing in our life. It's so easy to look at the negative. We need so much help in looking at the positive. Journaling is a great way to do that. So, wake up. Yes. Wake up, clean up, man up, sign up, one more up. Well, no, it's not an up. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. The principle of inertia. Most of us have great intentions, but our lives are paved with broken promises to ourselves and others. Proverbs 24:30. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall therefore thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth in thy want as an armed man. Do it now. Do it now. The principle of inertia. You know, if you get something rolling, it'll roll. It'll keep going. It'll get better. It'll pick up speed. It's the same thing with momentum. We get some momentum going. It goes. And, and, uh, and 21 Laws of Leadership, John Maxwell said, said that one of the first laws is the law of the big mo is you get bigger and you go more and more. Get started. Man, I have so many projects that I wanted to do. Charlie, you, you did a table for me about a year or so ago. You know how, I, how long I drug around that table with the intention of working on it and learn, trying to learn how to refinish wood and stuff? We got that table when we lived in Orange Park, Florida. That table went from Orange Park, Florida to Gainesville, to Arkansas, to Port Charlotte, to Lake Mary, three different places in Lake Mary, and back to Port Charlotte. And I never got, I never did get to that thing. I had to get somebody else to do it for me. 
You see, how many of you have, you're laughing, but you have the, you're laughing because you have those same projects. I'm going to organize this closet. What? You, you know, <clears throat> since you're not, we, you walk around here, I have a great project. I'm going to need some help on. Those of you who are, are, are good with Christmas decorations, that steeple room out there, it is so crammed full of stuff that we couldn't get all the stuff back in it. So I got more Christmas stuff over here. I think we need to go through that and, and, and get rid of it. There's some of that stuff that just needs to go away. And I've been thinking about that for years. That shed out there, I cleaned it up once, kind of, sort of. <laughs> stuff has got to go. There's a... <laughs> Miss Sandy's been working real hard trying to organize the costumes and stuff that have been a mess for a couple years. And the storeroom in the, the last room in the, in the kids' building over there, it was stored my stuff while we, were, while we were living in the apartment and some of Gretchen's stuff, and it became just, man, you couldn't hardly walk in there, there so much junk. Trying to sort that out so we can use that room again. But see, if we don't get started, it'll never happen. That principle of inertia. You, we can get so busy. I, I'm just so busy, I can't get this done. Start. I started journaling this morning. I put down. I have been a failure at journaling, and I'm going to start again. First thought. What am I supposed to tell about myself? I mean, if we don't get started, we'll never get it accomplished. Proverbs 6, 6, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Boy, Proverbs talks a lot about this slugger. The soul of a slugger desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I tell you, talk to kids about raising money for mission trips and for doing things, and, and, and talk to parents. Say, hey, look, you know what? You know you got camp coming every June we go to camp. Start putting $10 a week in. Or if you start early enough, you start in July, put $5 a week in, and you got camp paid for in a heartbeat. It never is a big deal. Who's going to miss five bucks? Maybe that's one frappuccino a week, or whatever those things are. The sluggard will not plow by reason of cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. We have all sorts of excuses not to get started. Well, you know, um, I just don't sleep well. And getting up, I, if I get up 20 minutes earlier, I'm just not, not going to be right. All right, get up 10 minutes earlier. Turn off the television. Whatever your first things are in the morning to keep you from getting with God, shift it. Start with five minutes and work on, on more. Why do we have so many excuses of why we can't do things? 
or I'm going to. I used to hate that with my kids. Well, I was going to do that. What do you mean you're going to do that? Why didn't you do it? Well, I was going to. I think my wife gets tired of hearing that. Well, I had planned to get that done. When? Well, I planned on it. Let's get it going. Let's start moving ahead. Let's do it now. Philippians 4, 9, I call it the Nike verse. You know, Nike's thing is just do it. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. This morning, let's see if we can't develop some habits. Uh, Neil Armstrong Elementary, all over the walls there, you see things from a, a book called The Seven Habits of uh, Highly... Uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Stephen Covey wrote, wrote the book. I actually read it a long time ago. Some of those habits here. Seven habits of highly effective people. Well, let's have five habits of spiritual growth that will transform our lives, make us more like God, more impactful on this world, more impactful in our relationship with Him, and more impactful in our relationship with each other. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you that all these spiritual habits, they are habits and they will help you grow, but nothing will help you grow until you come into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. That is the good news. That is the gospel. But he did that so that we might be restored in a relationship to God that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be presented as righteous and holy before God. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, don't wait. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. In just a minute, we'll have that time of invitation, that time when I was, uh, before I received Christ, I hated. And if you, if you hate this time, that might be a signal that maybe God wants you to do something. If you've never received Christ, come let us take your Bible and show you how. You can know for sure that God, that uh, heaven's your home and that, that you're in a relationship with God. And maybe you're ready to start some of these habits. Maybe you should only start with one habit until that is a habit and then add. But you have an outline. Let's grow. Let's let God's grace Affect our lives for his glory. Let's stand and let's pray.